0: It's almost an hour with Henrik Stenson, our U.S. Open review. Henrik, have you recovered from uh, from Wingfoot?
1: Yeah, I think I made it home. Um, I think I even managed to get all my shoes with me out of that rough. So, uh, yeah, it was a tough week at uh, Wingfoot. Obviously, result-wise, it, it didn't go anywhere near uh, the result I wanted to have. But, uh, as always, it's a tough test, and uh, you certainly get to get to challenge yourself and... All the different areas of your game, and uh, I think, I, uh, like most weeks, you come you come out of there with a with a few thoughts and, and feel like you're you maybe a little bit more wise and, and uh, bring a few home things home to, to practice on and,
0: and and try and improve until the next one. All right. Well, this podcast, as always, is brought to you by Callaway Golf. And Henrik, there is a question coming up later when we do Ask the Iceman about your magical three-wood that Callaway has produced. So we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Fun fact, I started hitting a lot of three-woods now, too. And uh, I'm just trying to be more like you, as you know, day in, day out. All right. Let's get into the U.S. Open review. Uh, The question on everybody's mind is, did Bryson DeChambeau change the game for everyone else out on the PGA Tour and the European Tour?
1: Well, he's certainly done a big change uh, for his own game, and uh, I mean we've seen some some big changes in him body wise. And uh, I think we touched on this in in one of the earlier podcasts that I mean Bryson was never hitting it short before. He probably had you know somewhere in the mid to high eighties ball speed miles per hour that is, um, and I think crank it up to about 200 so he's probably added about 10 12 maybe 15 miles per hour but he he was long already before but now he's he's kind of super long if you if you would like to to uh, label it so uh, I, I think it comes down to different courses different setups I uh I've seen some of the uh some of the remarks and and some of the uh, kind of questions afterwards, and and a lot of people didn't think that was going to be the the winning formula at the U.S. Open, but uh, at Wingfoot it, it clearly worked. Uh, I think we can get into that in in a little bit here, debating or discussing why it would would, would work at Wingfoot. But uh, if it's if it's changed the game in the sense that everyone's going to try and do what what he's done, I'm not so sure. But he certainly. Um, added a, a new dimension, and uh, he, he came in with a clear purpose. He, he was going for length, and, and he achieved that, and he's great results, and he's uh, the uh, 2020 uh, U.S. Open champion. So congrats, gr- congratulations to Bryson on uh, on a great week and a wonderful achievement.
0: All right, so this is what was said in the press room when Rory McElroy addressed the media yesterday. The question was, if I told you on Wednesday the winner of the Open would hit four of the last 21 fairways they played, what would your reaction have been? And Rory said, no chance, no chance. don't really know what to say because that's just the complete opposite of what you think a U.S. Open champion does. Look, he's found a way to do it. Uh, Whether it's good or bad for the game, I don't know. It's just it's not the way I saw this golf course being played or this tournament being played. It's kind of hard to really wrap my head around it. And look, we all love that Rory's so honest and open with everybody, um, but what are your thoughts, kind of asking the same question to you, four of the last 21 uh, fairways hit, and, and he's the only one who goes under par in the last round? I mean,
1: amazing around performance. Uh, I didn't watch every shot, but I watched quite a bit of it, and and I mean, he he, he was solid in, in pretty much everything, and and uh, yeah, it's I, I agree with Rory. If someone would have said that, I think he had 21 fairways throughout the week. Uh, I had I had some statistics before the week. Um, and So out of what would it be, is it 56 fairways or, or 58 fairways, whatever it would be for the week, right? In 2006, when we were there, the last time, Jeff Sluman, I believe, hit the most fairways and that was 38. So he had 17 more fairways than, than Bryson did. So... I mean, 38 is, is certainly not a lot either. And I think that comes down to the shape of some of the holes at wing foot. And they were fairly fiery, the fairways. And when you've got dog legs going in one direction, the camber of the fairway going in the other one. I mean, take the fifth hole, for instance. You, you feel like you need a bucket of balls to guarantee to get one on the fairway. It's it's turning 30 degrees left up the hill, and the fairway is cambered the other way. Fairway is firm, and you just kind of bounce straight through into the rough. Or... Be too much on the left-hand side and don't, don't make it out on the fairways. So it's, it's certainly a course where it's hard to hit the fairways in the first place. So I think that plays in, into Bryson's favor to start with, that no one was going to hit a lot of fairways around Wingfoot in the first place. Then, with the thick rough, of course, the further up in the rough you are, the better it's going to be. You don't want to be stuck 200 yards off away from the green. You'd rather be 150. Uh, in the rough, than 200 yards away, so that that certainly uh, gives you the the, the of hitting it far, the benefits of hitting it far off the tee. Uh, another aspect uh, to take into account is that more, uh, not most, but many, uh probably say most of the green complexes you can actually run the ball in. So if you're in the rough, as long as you can get some sort of a club on it and scoot it up uh, towards the green, you could actually run the ball on, on most greens, uh, at least on one side of the green. So that's another thing. If it would have been uphill, uh, slopes with rough. If it would have been bunkers, if it would have been water short of the greens, you probably could not just wing it off the tee and then still have a bit of a squeeze with a fairway wood or a, or an iron and get something scooting up by the green and then get up and down for par. So I think there's, there's a few different things that, that certainly makes it more possible a wingfoot. foot than maybe another one and uh, a third or a fourth uh, reason I think is, is also the trees. <clears throat> we got quite a lot of lot of trees I'd say a wingfoot, foot but a lot of them are quite some way fairways. So if you hit it wide you're in the rough but you're not stuck under trees in general and, and you don't have many trees in the way either so most of the time you've got at least a clear shot when you're in the rough. So. Um, yeah, I think that list is uh, is pretty pretty long there on different reasons why it would work out a wing Wingfoot, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see if it's the if it's the right strategy for for Tory Pines next year, or if that's going to be something different.
0: Yeah, the other place, uh, the next major, you know, just about fifty days away, or just under fifty days by the time this comes out in Augusta National. Uh, the guys at No Lang Up took a little fun this morning, and they went on Google Earth and kind of plotted. 330, 340-yard drives in Augusta National and sort of looked at some pretty aggressive uh, lines and, and you know, you saw certain shots, you would just have 115, 120 in. Um, what do you think about the power display that we just saw as we look at the next major coming up you know, in Augusta? Yeah, definitely at
1: Augusta. I would say it's it's even a more, uh, a bigger advantage at Augusta than it would at a US Open with that length Augusta, as you know, got very limited rough. It's uh, is just really first cut most of the golf course. When you miss the fairway, it's it's uh, the ball's in a good spot. And length of the tee is certainly a big uh, big advantage at Augusta. And the the shorter the club you can have uh, left for your second shots, it's uh, it's a it's a huge advantage going into those small areas on those greens. Uh, with an eight and nine of pitching wedge compared to a iron, uh, No question. So, uh, yeah, I definitely see Bryson being being up there as one of the favourites uh, at Augusta. And you're not winning a US Open just because you can bomb it off the tee either. I, I heard a stat, I think, during the broadcast yesterday that uh, that he's been a 90% converter inside 10 feet. I don't know if that was best on the, on the PGA Tour inside 10 feet or something. But, I mean, his putting has been... Super solid, and and uh, he's, he's worked, uh, of course, a lot on his wedge uh, control. Given how far he hits it off the tee, it's going to be a lot of short clubs coming in, and and to control the the spin and uh, and the distance control. So, uh, I mean, another player that that we saw do that was DJ. I mean, DJ always been very long off the tee, but his his accuracy the shorter clubs went and then he a lot of hard work into that and and put that that extra gear into those clubs and and that made him a much more competitive player in in the in the world's top so um yeah you you can't just win a use open on one one aspect of the game so bryson is obviously doing a lot of things right and and uh, uh we we shouldn't forget the the mental aspect either i mean he's he's going out there and producing a great final round uh and just kind of keeps chipping away and, and make the other guys make the mistakes, and, and he plays super solid and wins it
0: by a bunch. All right, let's get to your US Open. Um, I was very this, this proud- be a quick, uh, This be a quick yeah. segment then. Won't be a long segment, but I do have to say, <laughs> I was very proud of you uh, for making a par on the 10th hole both days, and my theory is all that time you spent at that outing when you played the 10th hole over and over and over, um, do you regret not playing every hole for an entire day? Like you did the 10th? Cause then pretty much you could have just made par everywhere.
1: Yeah. We know how, how well, uh, I can make pars on every but, hole. We saw that in Memphis, right? So, uh, yeah, if that would have been the case, I guess I would have come in in what, third position or something. If you even par, I think was around third. Yeah. So, um, no, nah, it's, it was, it, it was a, a few things that kind of stands out on, on my week, uh, one that that caught me a little bit off guard on that Thursday morning because I think everyone expected it to be hard already from the from the word get-go and and uh it, it was quite receptive and it was actually the opposite on that Thursday morning I had some issues yeah. with with spin I had a on the on the 12th or my third hole I had a nine iron into about 12 feet and got a little bit of spin on that nine iron and it came down the slope and all of a sudden I'm 60 feet away and three feet for a bogey when you when you hit a pretty nice shot in there. And the same happened on, on 15 a little bit. I had backspin on a three-quarter nine iron. Uh, so, so then on 16 I'd missed the fairway. I, I chopped it forward and I was left with about 85-90 yards for my third shot. The back tier. Um, anyone who's been a, a winged foot or uh, most people that watched it last week, I guess they would see how much the greens were angled at you, and so i 'm standing there with it with this fifty two degree wedge and I know i can 't hit my fifty eight because it 's going to back up, even a normal fifty two is probably going to back up i 'm trying to actually manufacture a shot by turning the toe in a little bit and hit like a lower draw uh in there not to have too too much spin and I just caught it a little bit thin. So it comes out a little flat, hit the back of the green and skips over and now I'm totally dead because now I'm chipping down the side of a mountain uh, and I just lob it on the green. It runs off the back tier and onto the front part of the green. Now I'm 50 feet away and I have three putts uh, for triple bogey. So, you know, that's just one little mistake and, and it's hard not to feel like that partly comes because I can't play kind of my normal shot, if you know what I mean. So I have to try and uh, invent something and, and try and do something a little bit different. And then when I don't succeed with that, I, I paid a, a huge price in, in wrapping up a triple bogey. So, you know, it felt like the even though you don't give up at that point, it still kind of feels like an upper, uphill battle when you four over after five, uh, five, six holes played. And, and, uh, and then it's kind of a long week to get back from there. And I, I tried,
0: but uh, it wasn't really to be. So how do you deal with that mentally? Because look, you know, you've told some stories on this podcast where occasionally you get a little angry, occasionally. Um, how, how, do you, how do you keep your emotions in check knowing you're on your third hole of the US Open and, and something like that happens to you and, and you can't just, you know, you can't just go run and hide? I guess you could, but it'd be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: if there's one, one place you could hide was probably in the rougher wing foot. You could just sneak off to the side and and uh, and and you'd be lost there, but uh, no, you you. I mean, majors are the toughest test in golf, and and they're meant to be the the toughest challenges because it's the it's the biggest prize that we play for. So uh, that comes as no surprises. Uh, uh, however, though, there, there's been obviously twists and turns over the years. Uh, another one was used Open at Pinehurst in 2014, where the greens were rock firm and. No one could see a winning score anywhere on the par, and all of a sudden you have a big downpour on the Wednesday night, and then Kaiman goes out and shoots sixty five, sixty five, uh, and is ten under, and and people are just baffled compared to what they thought a few days earlier. So I mean, things change, and we play an outdoor sport, and conditions can change, and all the rest. So um, I guess the uh, yeah, the, the w- one of the things is to be prepared for for the un- on. Un- unknown and that anything can happen and I guess um, all all players have different strengths and, and different ways you play the game and see the golf course and and mine's always been an advantage to have high spin on the, on the golf ball and on my approach shots because I can hold firm greens and, and land the ball and get it to stop quickly but as soon as we're playing a golf course where the greens are angled at you and the condition gets a little bit softer it becomes difficult for me because I, I need to Club up. I need to probably hit a chippy 8 iron instead of a wedge to try and have the same because I, I carry, I probably carry the same spin on my on my eight iron as most players carry on their on their pitching wedge, and that's good in one in one way, but it's it's hurting me uh, when the conditions uh, are not in my favor. So uh, yeah, everyone faces different challenges, and and that's uh, that's always been the case for me, really. too. To, uh, to try and adjust when when the when the greens are spinning a lot or if they very slopey towards you and you just get a little bit of spin and the ball starts coming back it's uh, the, there's virtually no room behind it on all the back pins so uh, yeah it becomes it becomes harder for me and, and something of course I could try and be better at and and uh, and work on because in this game you're never finished with uh, with anything so uh, like I said you you, you leave the events... Uh, earlier than i wanted but uh, there's certainly a few things that i that i feel like i can can improve on and i have to start working on together with just getting the game in in better shape i i feel like i've I've played what three tournaments in six months basically so uh it'd be a, a little bit harsh on myself uh having the highest of expectations even though you always wish to play well and uh, we've got got a bunch of tournaments coming up here in the fall and uh, we try and do better than, than we have done in these last couple of starts.
0: Well, the good news is that as high as your expectations are, I had higher expectations for you. So at least uh, at least you didn't have to be the only one who was, uh, you know, kind of giving yourself a hard time. So here Yeah, to help you. And, 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 and when you talked
1: about frustration, it was funny because I just passed by Danny Lee on the way into the clubhouse, and I think I, yeah. I must have just let him have all the frustration because I saw him playing, playing tennis on the uh, – on the final hole on, on Saturday. Right. I think he's six putted from about five feet. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, uh, that's what it can do. The, the frustration when it pours over, you fought hard for X amount of days and the whole day, and then you just kind of let it all slip away there on, on one or two putts, and then yeah, golf gets the better of you.
0: But that's where, that's where I always love the approach that, uh, your, your Ryder cup partner, you know, Justin Rose takes. I always used to love how he would go in early um, and get his practice done before you know the crowds and obviously there's no crowds so he could be pretty efficient and sometimes he wouldn't even show up till Tuesday morning just so he could be and play nine Tuesday nine Wednesday and just be so fresh just for when you have that that um, potential mental mo- moment I thought that was pretty good but let's let's look forward Let, let's be done looking backwards uh, we're going to see a lot of you on the PGA Tour coming up uh, including this week yeah correct so can you kind of give people a quick schedule update you're playing this week for sure and then what do you have coming up
1: yeah and then I play in in Mississippi uh, in Jackson the week after so uh, yeah two more weeks now on the on the road and then I'm going to be home here in Orlando for about three weeks after that uh, i'm I'm thinking about going to uh, to Bermuda and play uh, i've uh, I've traveled the world and been to many places, but uh, both Dominican Republic and Bermuda would be would be new places for me, so that kind of tickled me a little bit to, to go and see some new golf courses and, and visit some some nice places. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of on the schedule, and then uh, then we got Augusta uh, two weeks after after Bermuda, and uh, then possibly uh, pick up uh, Sea Island uh, on the way home from Augusta. So that's uh, that's kind of the, the PGA Tour season uh, for for me, and then there's a possibility also for uh tigers events in december and then also the dp world tour championship down in dubai so we, we got plenty of golf if we, if we, um, we want to
0: okay. Do you do you have like one of those like maps of the world and you like with push pins everywhere you've played No, mentally not physically mentally. Yeah. yeah so that's why i get a headache sometimes because i got all those pin pin needles in there yeah, that makes sense. Some people call that acupuncture, but I'm not really a big fan of that particular practice. Uh, what uh, do you? What, I've, I've done I'm, a quick course, so I'll, I'll be happy to try out on you next time I see you. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll I'll let you know next time I'm uh, I'm in town. We'll uh, we'll try to get that together. So going to a golf course you have not seen before, like you're going to be doing this week. What what are your expectations for the week, and how do you uh, look? I, I would assume that the resort cor- course in Punta Cana is going to play a little bit uh, different than than, than Wingfoot. Uh, how do you kind of make that transition?
1: Yeah, I think the uh,
0: uh, normally we play the US
1: Open in um, in June, as you know, and uh, a lot of times I play the BMW International Open in, in Munich or Cologne in Germany the week after. And the one thing that always strikes you is how easy golf feels or how easy the golf course feels the week after US Open. So I hope that kind of stays the same. And um, yeah, I, I expect it to be not too difficult of a golf course. Uh, like I said, it's, it's a nice resort down there from what I hear. And, uh, my caddy will have traveled down today. So he got plenty of time to, to familiarize himself with the golf course and, and get all that ready before I come down tomorrow morning or midday tomorrow. So, uh, I'm just going to play nine tomorrow afternoon and then play the other nine in a, in a limited program on Wednesday. So I, I only get to see the golf course once, but Glenn will have walked it and and should have uh, some more knowledge. And uh, yeah, we are kind of take it from there. Normally, resort courses not going to require as much uh, prep work as, as a major championship or a, or a really difficult golf course uh, somewhere in the world. So um, yeah, I'm still feeling pretty confident that we'll we'll know what to do come Thursday.
0: Well, good. Well, I'll be watching and rooting you on. You know who else is going to be rooting you on? Everybody who sent in questions for Ask the Iceman. I believe we got more questions um, this week than any other week in our our brief history. So this is exciting. So three questions have been selected for you. And these are, these are some of the, the, the tougher, uh, deeper questions you've ever had. Unfortunately, one of them you've already answered. So we'll, we'll start with that one from Shane. How do you control your wedge full shots on sloping quick greens? Given the speed of the U S open, I imagine this is critical. Well, we just went over that Shane and yeah <laughs> you try to yeah, tow so, an so iron and it goes long and then you three you, you you hit it 50 feet away and then you get angry
1: yeah right? exactly yeah job done figure it out no i mean spin control uh i mean flight control on your on all your iron shots uh always crucial uh and the the windy conditions that you can encounter anywhere that that's makes it even more important to to know when your ball flight if you can control your ball flight you can control your distance so uh yeah, uh, a, good, a good way to do it is, is obviously to club up or swing a little bit softer and instead of a gap wedge, you take a pitching wedge and, and, and hit it a little softer and, and you take the spin rate down and the ball fly down that way. But at the same time, when you've got greens like you have a winged foot, where you also need to land it in a very specific spot. I mean, the, the greens at winged foot, in my opinion, is, are much harder than Augusta. Augusta. We got quick greens, we got undulated greens, but the areas where the pin positions are are normally not too severe. So you kind of right. having three, four, five different little kind of uh, kitchen tables on on the green, and that's where the pin is. So you you can kind of always hit the shot to to that area. At, at Wingford here, you had some, I mean, incredible slopes. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. That greens map on on the first green. There's virtually no place to put a pin position because because it just yeah. slopes everywhere. So yeah. uh, to have a huge green like that and be that limited on pins, uh, you could al- always argue that part. Um, but it's uh, it's a bit of a different game there. You gotta you gotta both flight the ball in, so you can't go long, you can't go short, uh, and you can't have too much spin. So it, it certainly puts a lot of lot of emphasis on on controlling those shots, and uh, yeah, clearly I got I got work to do there. I'll back to the drawing board, back to the range with the Trackman and uh, and the wedges, and and try and figure out uh, how to be a bit better at it. But uh, uh, yeah, club up, uh, take down on your on your speed, uh, also towing the club in a little bit so you kind of shut the toe a little bit. Uh, and if you do it correctly, that doesn't mean that the ball is going to go miles to the left. You're just going to get a slight little draw shot and, and slightly lower shots. If you get it, if you try this and, and turn the toe in and you hit the ball a lot to the left, then most likely you also rotate the face through impact. So if you turn it in but you keep the face stable, uh, it, it's going to give you a slightly different ball flight. And it's, it's a very effective shot and you can try that for… For chipping and pitching as well and just kind of clip it off the toe it takes a bit of spin off and and uh, it can it can certainly be useful shot around the greens too
0: all right our next question and all of these uh great questions get accompanied by a free t-shirt i've mailed you yours for you and the entire family so i can't wait for you to be uh rocking you want to see uh, you want to see that picture uh, don't you next time i see you but this one's from murray russell What do you eat before teeing off? And I would like to amend the question for a morning round and then also for an afternoon round.
1: Yeah, uh, food and energy is certainly important to to me. I've uh, always uh, try to look after that part. Uh, So in the morning, uh, we got the eight o'clock tea time. Uh, I'll I'll have a breakfast at the course around six o'clock, I'd say, Uh, would be eggs, uh, some yogurt, fruits, some bread. It could be, I mean, you, you can't be uh, super set in exactly what you want, but I mean, a, a good healthy start uh, is certainly required on my end. So I get a, a good healthy breakfast. Then uh, once I get out there, probably after four or five holes into the round, I would I would eat some of my bars. I, I eat these gluten-free uh, bars uh, and, and little kind of raw balls or power balls or whatever you want to call them. Uh, uh, from the same company, and uh, then I might mix that up with a banana. Sometimes I have a protein shake, and uh, at the turn, and then kind of on the back nine, same thing. Uh, I would I would down a, another bar on the back nine. So I, I try to keep my energy intake pretty pretty regular, and and make sure I don't. Run out and and uh, I can get some some blood sugar dips if I if I don't look after that side. So that would be kind of the morning morning round. And uh, as I said, I shake. Sometimes I'll bring a a sandwich out or yeah, I kind of play it by ear a little bit. But I always make sure I got plenty to to eat uh, out on 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 the golf course. Uh, afternoon tea times. So if it's really late, uh, say a two o'clock one, then. Yeah, you can have lunch at 11.30, uh, 12 o'clock. Uh, if it's more around lunchtime, tea off, then I might have a, a later breakfast in the morning and then just pick up a sandwich and, and eat that, possibly during my warm-up warm when I'm done with hitting balls before I go to the putting green or in in around there. I would eat the sandwich. I At least I want to start around not feeling hungry and then same thing over again, feeling... Uh, or oh, filling up on um, on uh, bars and fruit and uh, possibly a shake as well. So, yeah, Im- important to, to eat and, and also to hydrate, drink a lot of water, drink some um, electrolytes and uh, and some sort of a replenisher for, for salt and minerals and so on. So, uh, yeah, you've got to look after yourself when you're out there, and that goes for all the amateurs listening in on, on this uh, program too. Are you a coffee person? I'm not a coffee person. I've, uh, I haven't i have learned that yet, and uh, I highly doubt that I will learn it at, uh, at the age of 45 or 44.
0: What are you saying? 45-year-olds can't learn anything? I felt like you just took a complete shot at me.
1: Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, but no, I'd, I'm not super keen on the taste. I think it smells good. You know, in the morning, someone put a nice pot of coffee on or, or walking in there with a fresh... Fresh coffee, then then it smells good, but I don't. I'm not keen on the taste at all. Well, that would be a
0: reason not to like it. All right, last question, Matthew Lala. What is it about the three wood? And Matthew would like you to know, Henrik, it's his go-to club as well. That gives you the confidence and comfort.
1: Well, I think there could be a, a few different reasons. One, you got a little bit more loft on the three wood than than you do on the driver. Um, it's a little bit shorter, so you You might feel like you're you're a little bit you know more tucked in or closer to the ball more like, like like an iron swing or something like that, but it's at the end of the day it's uh if you're making good passes, it doesn't really matter which club you're using uh for me, I think it's been an optimization club just in terms of the launch and the spin and everything. I get good distance out of it. It's a strong three wood I use thirteen and a half degrees uh and uh I mean, I don't give up a huge amount of, of speed or distance using the three-wood. And there was a time when I was struggling badly with my driver as well. And then, yeah, I always, always tended to go with the three-wood as well. And a lot of times I hit it off the deck and, and sometimes I still do. I give it a little little hack with the, with the back of it and just give it a small little mound uh, and put the ball on there and it, it comes out like a rocket. So... Uh, very effective into wind and in crosswinds when you don't want the ball to move a lot, it, it's just hitting this little stingy fast ball with the three wood, and uh, it has served me well. And uh, yeah, whatever you're good at, you tend to use and and uh, and feel confident with.
0: Without violating, uh, you know, massive secrets that I know you don't like to share, what's the ball speed you get off the three wood? Uh, you allowed to say uh, that number or not?
1: Yeah, uh, I've had uh, recently. Uh, 162, 163, somewhere around there. My driver is is around 170. So uh, yeah, it's about seven miles per hour difference in, in ball speed between the three wood and the driver. That's
0: good math. That's good math. I was just sitting here trying to. Thank you. I have, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to right figure there. that I was out. About to do it. Yeah, you did a very good job of that. All right, those are ask the Iceman questions. You get a chance every time we do this and we record these every other week to ask a question using Henrik's social channels and murray shane and matthew your t-shirts are on the way pretty exciting stuff henrik your t-shirts on the way as well thank you Um, we have a video to look at and i gotta be honest um this is hard to watch so this is rory sabatini um on the 15th hole and um i'll let you just take it away i i there's nothing i can say here um well as always with television it's hard
1: to uh it's hard to see how slope it is. I mean, this pin sits in a huge bowl there, and he's just trying to, to hit this little putt to the side so he can just hit the apex and just bleed back down to the hole. And, I mean, the idea is, is, is completely right because, you see, he just starts it now, and the next one is then running down to about, what, five feet past the hole or something.
0: Yeah, then it, Maybe, it starts yeah. to come back.
1: Yeah. So, if that first one would have just been a hair more to the left, it it obviously would have dribbled off that top shelf and gone down to uh, the same place where
0: the second one was. Yeah,
1: yeah, or even even closer to the pin. So, mm-hmm. and and this is, uh, I mean, you ask 144 players what they think about the course, you're gonna probably gonna get 144 different answers. But uh, some of the green complexes at Wingfoot is a li- is not really my style, not, not exactly what I enjoy the most. Uh, they're, they're super challenging but you see the line that when he ended up in a in a funky spot here, uh, well to start with his approach shot is probably half a foot from being stiff and then he's just stopped. He's trying to play for the backstop and then he's just gone a hair too far and he stops up on top uh, and then he's trying to to be creative and, and just dribble this next one down there and then that doesn't succeed and it walks walks away with a uh, with a bogey or maybe even worse I don't know but so basically it's been a foot out from a, from a stiff birdie uh, and it walks away with a five or a six so to me that's, it, it just the 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 punishment for for being a foot too long or a foot too short that can wrap up to being three or four shots. I don't know. That that feels a little bit extreme. And that's what maybe doesn't make it to my favorite in that sense, the green complexes. Uh, but like I said, it's a challenge and mental challenge and, and, and everything rest. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you just got to suck it up and move on. But it, it's not hard to understand why you can get frustrated when you see those things happening to
0: you. Yeah, I just had to laugh when I watched it because it's just like I totally I get think, what he's doing. I totally get I what he's doing. I don't doing, think but it, Sabatini laughed when he walked to the 16th tee box. No, he 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 has a little bit of a temper. We we've seen that in his in his uh, in his career. Like I remember the in his with in with his Ukraine. younger years. In his younger years, yeah. <laughs> the incident with Ben Crane at, at I believe it was Avenel when, when Ben Crane was on the 17th and Rory got so fed up with the pace of play, he literally, before Ben Crane finished the 17th hole, walked to 18 and had already hit his tee shot because he was so pissed off at how long it was taking. You yeah, can see a moment yeah. there. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, Ben Crane. Mm-hmm. Um, sitting at home listening to this podcast, Henrik. He's like, why am, I, why am I getting ripped? All right, uh, let's go into our architectural <laughs> question. Why he, know, he knows why he would get ripped. That's true. That's true. Uh, But we'll try to speed it up along here um, on our Almost an Hour podcast with you. That's another shot I just took at him. Oh, well. Uh, Architecture, (laughs) um, what's it like to transition from a U.S. Open? And you sort of addressed it to another tournament. You're doing that this week. But I I would just think, how how do you, you know, let's just say you're 100 and whatever yards away from from, from a green at Punta Cana this week. You don't have to have that conversation with yourself. Like, okay, if I land at three and a half feet, past the pin, it's going to spin 35 feet or 40 feet back. How, how do you make that switch to like, okay, I can just go back to doing what I want to do? Or or do you not make that switch? Do you kind of, does it kind of. Yeah, linger I on? think you, you figure that
1: out in the practice rounds. You know what the, that's kind of what those two, three days before the event starts. So it's just getting familiarized with the, with the sand in the bunkers, the rough, the speed of the greens, uh, the game plan. And once that's figured out then yeah, it's going to be a green light. I'd say most of the time it's just, Try and fire at the pin. If you're 110 yards out, it shouldn't be shouldn't be much uh, much thought there on on what can happen if you don't hit a good shot. So uh, it's certainly going to be easier on the mental side, and 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 uh, yeah, scoring I'm sure will be a lot easier than than it was last week. So uh, uh, one of the harder transitions I'd say is is coming from uh, regular kind of tournament golf and then. Going into playing links golf because you always have to land the ball that much shorter the hole, and, and if you played a lot of tournaments where you're just flying it straight to the hole, it takes a while to to adjust. And having 25 feet bounces uh, on a seven iron, if the greens are firm at links, uh, yeah, that normally takes takes a while. And that's why it's great to play the Scottish Open, for instance, the week prior to the Open Championship, so you you really get dialed in on on those. Uh, uh, yeah, changes in, in in conditions, and it would be the same if you're playing tennis. You're playing on clay one week, you're playing hard court, you're playing Wimbledon on on grass. It's it's different surfaces. The balls kind of behave differently, and and it requires different uh, things from you as a player. So golf is is no different in that sense.
0: Hold on, I didn't know this. You 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 play the majors in tennis too. You you play the French yeah, we and then you go yeah, to Wimbledon. We do. Yeah, I yeah, did agree. not know this. Okay, well. I will. Uh, I will have to go. T- you, you and Edberg would have been a hell of a uh, hell of a doubles team. Oh, you missed we that we wanted last year, did you? <sighs> Davis Cup just isn't what it was for me at one point in my life. All right, tour story, uh, and I got pretty specific here. Uh, I believe you stayed with Poulter, or if not, you guys just for whatever reason showed a lot of videos of each other, uh, particularly one where you were the Iceman because it was cold. Um, what's it like staying with 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 some of the other guys you're competing against in the major? And has it ever happened where like you're staying with somebody then like next thing you know you're like dueling with them to kind of try try to win win a tournament
1: yeah i haven't I haven't really been i think in that situation where you're staying with someone and and you end up uh, kind of going head to head with them it, it, it certainly had a bigger chance of happening back in the day because on on the European tour in my early years uh, a lot of times we would share hotel rooms so you would be two players sharing and and traveling together and and so on so you could certainly certainly end up in, in that situation easier than now. Last week I stayed with Ian and, and Ian's caddy in, in a house there about 15 minutes from, from the course. And, uh, uh, I wouldn't say that I shared that many videos, but I, uh, uh, ended up participating in a lot of videos. Yeah. Cause if you, if yeah, you're near point. Ian, uh, Poulter, that is, you will appear in one of his Instagram posts or, uh, tweets or something like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, he's a great guy. He's, he's fun to be around. Uh, one thing that maybe people wouldn't uh, think—he's—he's uh, he's not bad in the kitchen, old Ian. He's—he's uh, he's pretty yeah. useful. Yeah, cooking food and uh, uh, yeah, we, the only uh, kind of hiccup was that he burnt the steaks. Uh, he had marinated these uh, wonderful ribeyes. Uh, he went out, put them on the on the grill, put the lid down. Uh, all of a sudden, five minutes down the down the line, I hear someone yelling, "Quick, quick, we need plates. The stakes are on fire, so I just run out with a plate and it, it was uh, yeah, maybe not as as bad as, as it's been over on the west coast uh, as of late, dreadful, uh, but it was it was big flames, and these uh, stakes uh, were were pretty charred. Uh, uh, I know people like uh, like to order Pittsburgh uh mm-hmm. seared at the restaurant and i think we got uh a little bit more than pittsburgh seared uh, that would not be good yeah so I, I was i was kind of cutting away little edges here and there but all in all it, w- it was beautifully cooked on the inside though it was medium on the inside so at least that part mm-hmm. was was fab but um yeah and we did meatballs uh, i think we, uh, he put up a video on we yeah. were eating meatballs. Uh, what else did we have? We had uh, some barbecue chicken. And yes, I mean, yeah, I have to say, James, uh, Ian, and myself. I think uh, I think we would get three to four stars in the kitchen, all of us. I think we're pretty pretty handy, all of us, uh, and, and uh, we we should be proud really of our uh, our skills. Uh, in that sense, I know some of my colleagues. I think they would probably starve to death if they if they stayed on their own in a house and didn't have any any
0: assistance. Well, remember next year's U.S. Open, you have an open invitation to stay in a place where the steaks will not be overcooked. So mm. keep that in mind. Uh, keep oh, that in yeah. mind. Thank uh, you. Not Thank not you. quite as many uh, not quite as many videos though from uh, from me as from uh, Ian. All right, uh, here's our final word. Our, our segment here. Where I'll ask you one prediction about the upcoming uh, two weeks on tour. We didn't do so well the first time, so we just pretend that we didn't do it. Um, what is your prediction about uh, the next the next two weeks? Uh, as you're going to be competing back to back events.
1: Well, on my own uh, part, I, uh, I predict that I will do better than than I did at uh, at, at, the, at the US Open. That would Excellent. be nice. Excellent. Um, i mean i can I can see Gmac won this tournament down here in Dominican Republic last spring uh, I would imagine it can get pretty windy down there and uh, Graham growing up in northern ireland he's uh, he's uh, phenomenal to play in windy conditions so I can see why that suited him it suited him well down there so um I mean without knowing who else is playing and whatnot um yeah i'd, I'd well, I know Brandon Grace is playing also, and he's he's pretty good in in windy conditions too. So, uh, I'll I'll pick uh, pick my two boys, uh, Graham and and, and Gracie then and to to do well in in uh, Dominican Republic.
0: All right, the other the other person I always think is going to play well down there is Emiliano Rio. Um If he gets if he gets the putting going at all, his ball striking is good. Um, he likes the the course so much he has it as the logo on his back. So, I mm. just think going into it that that has to be. Uh, it right, has to yeah, be a major advantage if you if you're paired with him and you see that he literally has the course logo on the belly of his bag that that would that would intimidate me. Yeah, well you'd you'd know the the boy uh, should know the track absolutely. Yeah, either that or he has eight billion sponsor obligations to do this week and he won't ever <laughs> get to the golf course. Yeah, so it's gonna go yeah, yeah. it's gonna go one way or the other. All right, one I way or the other. All right, I know
1: how that, how that how that can work on the on your kind of home home soil and home tournament as well. It can be a pretty uh, pretty busy week off the golf course.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, last thing we're going to do, we're going to bring back our Swedish word of the week. A lot of birthdays going on around here. Uh, Dave Neville and our marketing team and Lex, who's producing this. Uh, can you can you wish her a happy birthday in Swedish? Because you said it before the show and I can't remember it at this point. Yeah, so the one that you need to remember is Jag har rövskav. Did Jag har rövskav.
1: Okay, yeah, that's not good. Uh, mm. Gratis på födelsedagen.
0: Gratis perferda
1: Yeah, that's happy birthday.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, there's another uh, quite famous uh, Swedish resident as well who has a big birthday coming up in just a couple of weeks. We won't spoil the surprise, but uh, I'll be working on saying that because uh, I think that will uh, that will probably I think, resonate. I think you. Time. I think you want to work on gratis födelsedagen, not the
1: first word I taught you. The gratis first, the first one I taught sudagen. you is. I'm surprised
0: you didn't ask what the first one was. I trust you implicitly, so I'm assuming if I ask you how to say happy birthday, you're going to only tell me how to say happy birthday, nothing inappropriate. No, no, absolutely not. No, I wouldn't dream of it. No. Well, I mean, it is, it's is—it's your name on the podcast. Yeah, true. True. All right, Henrik. I'll bet that mine. That is going to wrap up uh, another episode of Almost an Hour with Henrik Stenson. We did do Almost an Hour. Uh, thanks, everybody, for sending in your questions. Don't forget to go to Henrik's feed uh, and ask the Iceman. I'd also recommend uh, work on some of the things that Henrik said with your golf game, especially some of you guys who live in some of the seasonal uh, you know locations where golf seasons kind of coming down to the end, get out there with the track man. work on your wedge distance, maybe go grab a new uh, maverick 3-wood and try to see how uh, how uh, if you can get hundred sixty seven miles an hour ball speed. I'm gonna go take uh, my maverick later and I'm gonna see how close I can get to your to, to your magic number there. Absolutely, go for it. Yeah, thanks for listening.